0: Welcome to this special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. In this special series, I'm sharing with you 12 speakers from the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I really hope you enjoy their wisdom. Hey folks, it's Amy McDonald here at Yoga Business Coach. Welcome to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series where all week long and then some, I'm talking to really inspiring Uh, yoga industry leaders from around the world. And today is no exception. Please join me in welcoming Alison Kelsey to the business of yoga. Ah, Welcome. Hi, Amy. Thank you. It's so great to have you here, folks. Alison and I have been working together for a little while now, and I'm rather obsessed with her and her business. So I feel very uh, touched uh, that, that you're joining us, Alison. So thank you for being here Before we jump into what I'm sure will be a juicy conversation, I want to introduce you to everybody more formally. So I'm going to read out your professional bio. So Alison is an international yoga teacher specializing in working with women to connect to their goddess energy in a way that is mystical, creative, embodied and intelligent. And also rather luxurious, but we'll get to that. Alison yeah. uh, has squillions of tools in her toolbox. She's got a background in coaching and therapy and uh, as well as um, the wealth of wisdom that she has about archetype work uh, and the yoga teaching in itself, ritual, and she brings all of this to her sessions, workshops and retreats. She is very excited, she's very, uh, she's just about to release a new body of work, I'm very excited about it, which is all about embracing the Queen in her wisdom years, how to age outrageously, being stylish, powerful and fully present, welcome!
1: thank you thank you and thanks for the lovely welcome and i'm equally excited to be here today so looking forward to having a chat with you and kind of sharing some of the highs and lows of the journey
0: i would love that Alison. because well let's start here how long have you been teaching yoga
1: um just over 10 years that'd be 11 years in march
0: okay and why on earth did you get into this crazy business in the first (laughs) (laughs) place
1: I've asked myself that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so going very quickly through the story, I, I worked in investment banking for, oh gosh, about 18 years. So massive difference. And I had one of those, I suppose, dark nights of soul. Like when I was about 30, kind of everything went wrong. Mm. So kind of like, um, I had a baby, that wasn't going wrong, but my marriage broke down, my dad died, and it just made me go, oh, hang on a minute, what am I doing with my life? I retrained initially as a hypnotherapist life coach, and I left the city to follow my dream doing that. Meanwhile, I had yoga as a practice for me that I loved. Yeah. And the more I was working with clients with like depression, anxiety and stuff, I was like seeing clients like show up like this. And I'm thinking, I need to get you to do this. I need you to open your heart. Yeah, yeah. But initially, I only did my yoga teacher training so that I could work one-to-one with clients, and I could get them to kind of do a few gentle backbends without, you know, so I knew what I was doing. Uh-huh. But kind of life took another turn. So the day after my final assessments, I qualified, I was going to a yoga class at a yoga studio. And I got there and I went, oh God, the teacher's just got stuck on the motorway. Can you cover? I'm like, oh, I qualified yesterday. I've got no music and I use music in my classes. I haven't got a class plan. And I just said, please. And my friend was with me and she said, yes. I did that without saying it <laughs> So I taught the class with about 10 seconds notice. Luckily, they were gorgeous. And then they said, oh, they really liked you. Would you like a permanent class? And it just went from there. And, like, yoga took over. And I just found I got to a stage, as you know, where I was teaching a crazy amount of classes. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but it fed me. And I just really had the feeling that in yoga, we can make massive... Or we can create an environment for massive change that is less scary than people perhaps signing up for therapy. They still get it, but they think. <laughs> we <been> able to.
0: <laughs> yes, we get them in. We get them. They think they want just like abs, but actually they yeah. get radical personal transformation. Yes. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so I didn't know that story about the one day qualified, and there will be people watching just how many times I talk to people about what should I put on my resume, or they say I have to be a student here for a millennia before they'll let me sub a class, and this is a miracle story. I, I had no idea that that was your first class.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was it, and then they asked me, say so they gave me a permanent class about two or three weeks later, they gave me another class, then they had another sister studio about 45 minutes ago, then they said we want you to teach, and it just went from there, and i with hindsight, Amy, I didn't do it deliberately, but I love yoga, funny yep, that. that. Yep. And I was going to lots of classes a week. I mean, just everybody knew I was doing my yoga teacher training. Oh. People knew me. And like looking back, it was probably quite a good marketing strategy, but I didn't do it deliberately. So then, yeah. oh, you've qualified. Can you cover? Can you teach? Yeah. And it just went from there. One of the things that
0: when people say to me that, you know, Um, often this happens on my retreat people will come that haven't been teaching for very long and they say to me well how do you get better and and it seems to be the default that well I get better because I take a whole bunch of trainings but actually I think you get better by going to a truckload of classes and like exceptional ones and shit ones and everything in between that's what really helped me get better so I mean I can see You've sort of already done a part of your apprenticeship by being such a, a voracious student.
1: Yes. Yeah, I was there all the time. I mean, I did it because I loved it. And yeah. then I often used to sit at the back and say, can I observe? So I would observe and watch the classes. Quite interestingly, I've had students do that to me as well. Um, two ways. I've had somebody contact me out of the blue and say, can I come and observe your class? I'm sorry. Then my answer is no. Mm -hmm. If somebody has been a student and they've been regularly and then they're saying, I'm doing my teacher training, can I come and observe? It's like, absolutely. Mm. Whereas if it's somebody just kind of like, you know, they may have like not done my yoga, then they want to come and observe. That then feels more, um, I'm feeling for the other students in the class. That just doesn't feel right. Whereas if other people have known her or him as being a student and then they're sitting there, it's not obtrusive.
0: I find that peculiar. I don't know if this is a... British wheel thing or whatever, <coughs> I, you know this. I'm not I, British I, I, <laughs> What a huge surprise! Um, I I know I've received incredible benefit from observing classes for sure. Yeah. Um, but I can, you know the times when they're like, um, it's because I've been unwell at a teacher training, or I, I mean, surely wouldn't you want to? You can take notes and practice. I mean, kind of.
1: Yeah, it's a strange. That, I mean. The way that I teach, the way that I am, I'm really an embodied teacher. Yeah. And I know it's not the same for everybody. I'm a vinyasa flow teacher, prana flow. So it means that I flow with the class when I'm teaching. Yep. And for that reason, my body is my teacher in the class. Yes. So I have an idea where I'm going, but I speak with what's coming up. Whereas... So I find I need to be in the practice to, to really get it and to learn. So yep. that would definitely be my way. I know for some schools, I thought the teacher doesn't practice. And obviously, you know, nothing wrong with that. That's just not my way. Yeah. But I find that by practicing, then I know what comes next. And I think that's same for students, surely. Because if you're taking part in the class, you witness that, oh, yeah, my body really wanted to do that pose after that one. And... I felt like this after that one and like that rather than just observing.
0: Yeah. It's a curious thing. Folks, D- DM us on Insta. Like,
1: but Alison, yeah. what's your Instagram? It's Alison inspire yoga, but I've got two L's in Alison. My oh, parents
0: extra special. Um,
1: but like
0: if you've got an opinion on, on uh, this, I'm just curious throwing it out there. I, I know I would feel odd if I had, unless it was some sort of teacher training thing, I would feel odd having people sitting up the back just watching my classes. I don't know. Mm. Maybe, but like, mm. shout it out to us, folks, if you have an opinion on this. would I'm yeah. curious to know. So, Elson, you argue that people would say that you actually achieved the yoga teacher dream, it's a dream for some people, in that you opened your own studio. So at what yes. point did you go from teaching at different studios to having your own space and
1: why? um okay so i'd probably been teaching about five and a half years when that happened i'm partly because i live rural essex so it's not not everything's that close and i was spending i remember on a monday i was spending six hours teaching and seven hours driving Mm. and i was thinking like this isn't great so i was spending a lot of time in my car and also i'm sure a lot of other teachers recognize this like one class would finish at, say, half 10, the next one start at half 11. It was 45 minutes away. So I'm having to, like, go, yeah, okay, great, namaste, off, and yeah. then skid into the, the class and, <laughs> think yeah. you just all around calmly. So that was kind of getting a bit stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, a building come up for rent, and it was like, yay, this is my dream. And also, as you know about me, Amy, it's very much about creating a space. I know we can create a space wherever we go, but then uh, I've got it all set up, it's all mine, so I'm not going in after a funeral, or I'm not going in where there's body pump in the, in the studio next door. <laughs> of those, had to pick the flowers off the floor, and then go like, okay, a bit of smud. Did <laughs> that really happen? It really happened. <laughs> I watched the car pull away at half five, and my class started at six, and <laughs> it was like, okay. You got to smudge
0: that shit, like man. I did. There is a there is shavasana, and then there is shavasana. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, no. so, okay. So you so a space came up, and you decided I'm going to go for it. it.
1: Yeah, it was time to jump to the next level, as yeah, I saw yeah, it, yep. and I still think that was true. I'm all about creating space, so then I could have my own mats, bolsters, make it beautiful, loads of candles, lots of incense, fairy lights, have an altar. So all of that, my oracle cards, they kind of really making it into a sacred space. Yep. And that was definitely true because like week after week, after month after month, it's almost as if the energy in that space got better and better and more people were practicing. Mm-hmm. So that was the transition. Um, it was very small, so I only um, could have seven people at any one time. But I taught, you know, like, I know people cringe, I taught 27 classes a week. So I was, which is when I think I first met you, Amy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was crazy busy. I was loving it. Also meant I could be spontaneous and say, okay, I'm doing yoga nidra this Thursday. Oh, it's full moon. I'm doing this. Who's coming? So I could be spontaneous and put on events. I had a really great tribe of people that I could like just text out and fill it and they would be there i'm um, if anybody's listening and thinking about doing their studio i did have a booking system and that was worth its weight in gold i know people moan about how much it is for booking systems it was worth it i had a 24-hour cancellation policy if you cancel out of the 24 hours you lose your money no it no exceptions um, and having the booking system made that really easy mm, to do mm,
0: mm, love that and i think for for small spaces it's really important if you can only yes. fit seven mats you need to know that it's full every class yeah. and not over full yeah yeah
1: i did sometimes approach um use the um the ba booking policy like if there were a few students coming that i knew were a bit flaky i would overbook because i knew there was quite a good chance that one or two of them wouldn't show up
0: ah, and so, never,
1: so for folks who
0: are watching Um, I think probably this is also like uh, American Airlines, maybe United does this, yeah, yeah, got it. And you're counting on people not showing up. Otherwise, you say to people, would you like a $100 voucher to take the next flight?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could have always squeezed them in if that had happened, but I didn't get caught out. And it was mainly if I thought, oh, I've got two people that are quite flaky. I reckon I can fit one more in and the likelihood is one of those won't show up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how long did you have your studio
1: for? I had that for 4 years. Teaching that number of classes for the whole time, do you think? Um, no, it was probably kind of started about 15 and then it built up. So, <laughs> quite a lot of that time, yeah. It's amazing. I remember my Monday nights was four classes back to back. That was like, oh, done that one until next week. So that was quite a challenge. Wow.
0: I can't even imagine. I mean, I don't. I've, I've only ever taught two classes back to back. I, I guess it's just a different different personality types, and um, you know, if you have which way energy flows more naturally to or from you, I can't even imagine doing four classes back to back.
1: The four was probably too much. Three's okay. Four was too much. Yeah, well. Um Because there was sometimes thinking, like, wait a minute, what was the theme I was doing on this one? Did I say that already or was that in the last class? You know, so there so was a, bit, a
0: diff- bit. You taught a different class each each of the classes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Excellent. that Monday
1: night was um, my vinyasa flow, slow flow, beginners, and then a men's class.
0: What time was so, yeah. men's? Pardon? What time was What time was the men's class? Nine o'clock. Interesting. Till ten. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in those classes that start later. I think it's okay for you guys because it's still light, it's, like in summer. Nine o'clock is still kind of
1: yeah,
0: it's still bloody. Crazy. It was
1: mainly for um the area I live because we're probably about ninety minutes, two hours commutable from London. London, I There's see. Quite a lot of people commuted, and then yeah. it was like. For, Um, people to come home from work and often it was then like come home from work maybe have something to eat or be with the family for a bit and then come out so the nine o'clock was just about caught that group of people yes
0: yes okay so you did that for you you (laughs) you did all of that for four (laughs) years um so but the thing that I'm interested in for you to share a little bit about Alison is that um like you did all of this yourself you didn't have um you, you, yeah you did all of this yourself you didn't have big financial backing it was your prime you were the breadwinner it was your primary source of income um, tell me about starting that up did you have to have capital to get you going did you sort of make it as you sort of bootstrap it as you went or
1: i hustled like crazy yeah and um, i just had to have a really strong belief that this is what i wanted to do and not buy any of my excuses and not listen to everybody else that kept telling me to go and get a proper job. Okay. So, without putting like, you know, the heartstrings, yeah, I was a single mum. I had no other financial, you know, no, no money coming in from anywhere else. It was yep. purely down to me. And I think when I hear people saying, oh, you can't do it, it's like, absolutely you can. If it's your dream, if it's your passion, then you will find a way because we can always look for way we can look for excuses as to why we shouldn't do it yep. and we'll find plenty of people that will tell us that or you can look for this is the way i want to go and you look for maybe people that will support you or maybe signs that can say yes this is it this is it so i was determined as you know to keep going this is what i want to do i do not want to go back to corporate i will make this work so yeah, i made some mistakes along the way there was things i think okay that wasn't so wise um, in the early days, I worked with a mentor, that was a really bad decision.
0: Oh, not all mentors <laughs> are like that, everyone who's watching, don't. No,
1: exactly, a- <laughs> I've had a fabulous one since. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, all,
0: all the gosses coming out, I didn't know
1: that. Yeah. I can remember when I um, started working with this particular woman, I told a friend and I went, oh God, I'm so excited. And this friend also knew this woman and I can remember exactly where I was and I had this conversation and she said, if you don't mind me asking Alison, how much is she paying you? And I went, sorry? How much is she paying you? I went, I'm, I'm paying her. <laughs> and she just completely silent. She went, have you signed a contract? <laughs> 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 and I did at the time think she's one of those naysayers. Um, but with hindsight, she was absolutely right. And I think... That's one of the other lessons I've really learned is discernment. So it's about, you know, I do a lot of work with a hero's journey and we go on the road of trials. And then it's like saying like when you're setting up your own studio, you've got the dragons and you've got the angels. Mm. So it's it's the people that are always going to be, you can't do it. There's going to be the people that are going to help you. But sometimes the dragons are dressed as angels and Mm. sometimes angels are dressed as dragons. Yes. So it really is about listening to all the wisdom out there and then tuning in and listening to the inner voice and just pausing and checking, one minute, does this feel right? Yes. Um, Yes. And I remember like when I started working with you and one of the things you said to me was, you know, just check in, what's that feeling? You know, and that was it like, okay, it's like, yeah, logically I can do the figures, I can work that out. It's then... Okay, what's that feeling in here? Yeah, the feeling is a yes. And so I always use my inner compass now in making decisions.
0: I love that. And I've got to say, I mean, <clears throat> in this space, you, you've, you've done coaching. Um, there's a lot of gimmicky crap. There's a lot of get rich quick stuff. There's a lot of get my system and it'll cure everything. So I really think for it that it's so important. It's got to that the body wisdom has to help you in your decision, because especially with definitely. big financial commitments.
1: Yeah, yeah. most
0: definitely. Yeah. Um, all right, so can I, oh, this, we'll have to, I promise I'll edit this out if it's inappropriate, but I'm, I'm wondering,
1: so how, <laughs> how old were you, Alison, when you opened your studio? Oh gosh, well I'm 52 now, so I was, that was like two years ago, 45? So just so I was, out, folks, if you, you know, you don't have to be a millennial. If it's, it's just do your
0: passion. No.
1: You give up on it. Do you know what? I, when I did my yoga teacher training, it was like over 18 months and I had my 40th birthday whilst I was doing it. And I thought when I signed up, well, I'm going to be one of the oldies, but I wasn't actually, there was a few ladies older than me, a few around the same age and a few younger. And I do think I'm, you know, I know some amazing, really young yoga teachers. So I'm not saying you have to be older. But I do think the wisdom of having experienced stuff, gone through stuff, and having had perhaps a different career before is really valuable when it comes to being a yoga teacher. Because you've got life to share, you know, you've got the deep, rich learnings that you've learned on your teacher training or the other trainings you've done since. But you've also got you can share from your truth, and yeah. to me, that's so important about you know, showing up, being real, being authentic. I. I... I love that. I think it's a really
0: <clears throat> powerful consideration. I also think something that I, this happened to me for a few years, totally derailed in business. And I, and I always bang on about this with my clients who are coming out of corporate is that when <clears throat> my experiences was the coach I had at the time, I had a full time, very safe, very got a car, got a this, got a that forever job, which me ter- terrified my father when I quit to do like woo woo. Um, Cause I'd never been woo woo. You know, my coming out of the closet as woo woo, and, <laughs> and and my coach at the time said, "Oh, all of that corporate—it's so uptight, it's so conservative. It, you'll keep it'll keep you stuck. You need to like, let it all go and pretend it never happened." And so I did that, and I skewed way out the other side. And in fact, what I'd done was I'd spent I don't know what twenty years building up a skill set. <laughs> To really serve me now that I've said, Hey, you know what? I, I can actually rock a spreadsheet, and there is a time for that. <laughs> there is a time for an oracle card, there is a time for a calculator. <laughs> yeah.
1: As you know, like, I've always got my oracle cards around. I had to pull one before we got on today. Exactly. I've got ice. funny enough, you know what I'm doing on Sunday, <laughs> but I've got my project planner as well. You know, yeah. it's, it's a case of both, and I think. You know, like with the work I do with like um, My Descent to the Goddess program and the Heroine's Journey, I think it is about having that marriage between like, you know, the corporate and the woo-woo. And we might want to see that as like the Shiva and the Shakti or like the masculine and the feminine. But we need both, you know, we can't just throw that away. That was valid. And that, there's there's some gifts from that. So we don't want to like, you know, using the metaphor, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Take the valuable bits from that and then merge it with the stuff that we're doing now.
0: Preach, sister. If you're going to run an international retreat, you need some project planning, some project yeah. planning skills.
1: Absolutely. So, okay, <laughs> so you
0: did, the, you did the thing, you like, worked every, 24 hours, 24-7 t- teaching yoga um, and then you made the next shift So because yeah. you don't have your studio anymore. So your business no. today looks like
1: what? So I travel all over the world teaching yoga retreats Doing my signature um, coaching program, running goddess intensives, and then running mini retreats around the UK. And at the moment, and I'm hoping to be out to be doing that in Australia and Asia later this year as well.
0: I just like you can see what I love about this. You can tell when a yoga business owner really has found their thing. If like you you're radiating delight at that that this is your job. I
1: love <laughs> And that's where and I'm our, not hiding it either, because I used to feel like almost like, oh, I better not be so excited about what I do. It, maybe that's just a British thing that you know, kind of have to be. I think no, I we, think, we have that too. We have that too. Yeah, it I know, do you know what? I am so bloody lucky. I get to do what I love every day. I hang out with people I love, and I get to share the stuff that's my passion. Like, how fantastic is
0: that? Well, lucky mm, 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 you made it happen for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. Why, other than teaching a million classes a week, like, how did you know that it was time to release the studio and, and go more to offer different types of, to teach less, sorry, to teach fewer classes and to teach, have a more of an emphasis on retreats and events? How did you know that it was time?
1: Okay, so partly, initially, it was prompted by outside that there was talk that the building was about to be sold. So it was like, oh, okay, so initially it was like, oh, what are we going to do? Then thinking about, I'd had four years and I'd grown the business as far as it could be. I couldn't fit any more teachers, any more classes in there. And personally, I'd grown as much as I could in that studio. So oh, interesting. it had been very successful. It had also become a bit of a safety blanket. Uh, there, was, there was no more growth in it for me. And... I'm somebody that I'm always looking for growth. I'm always looking for change. So as an archetype, I'm very much a seeker archetype. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for next experience. So, yeah. got that, that's great, now what? And that's just the way that I am. I couldn't, I can't do the same every day, every week, every month, every year. That's just my lesson. I know for some people, that's, it's me, that's a pattern. So.
0: <laughs> sorry, Namaskar what? A, sorry, Namaskar B. <laughs> Yeah. And we get to celebrate our differences here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So for me, that was part of it. So then I did the probably the typical thing is I then initially, when I knew the building was going to be sold, I started looking for something else to replace it. Yep. You know I can see this as like the heroine's journey. So first all, it was like, okay, where else is there something the same? And I went on a bit of a frantic search for about three months, couldn't find anything. Then I had an opportunity to take a, a massive yoga studio, which maybe sounds like the dream. Okay, so it's like beautiful space, the dream, therapy room. So and many years ago, that had kind of been my dream. Mm-hmm. Then I thought about it. It was like, do you know what? If I take this on, I'm not going to be doing what I love every day. I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to be... Managing a yoga business, whereas I like being in front of people, I like teaching, I like sharing, and I'm so it's a calling. I know I need to take this goddess work worldwide, and I would have been I don't want to say stuck in a small Essex village because there's nothing wrong with that, and it's beautiful where I live, but I would have stayed small for you. Yeah, totally. It was a really hard decision though, because at the time it was like safety versus adventure. Mm. You know, and there was pros and cons of mm. both. But my soul needed adventure. It was a far more scarier option. Mm. I'm so pleased I took that option. So obviously that was the one I chose. Yep. Um and it hasn't been without its challenges, but it's also so it's a new stage in my journey, in my business. Um and it's allowing me to get out to a wider audience and yep. to really do the deeper work. So I'm no longer teaching beginners, I'm not doing, um, you know, somebody that just wants to come and work on the hamstrings, it's like, I show up with all my stuff now, every time I teach, <laughs> you get the whole shack, stuff. I'm not going to keep purely on the physical, I'm going to bring in all the rest of it, and I'm loving it, and it's also, what's interesting is people that I wouldn't have thought would be interested, I'm going, like, oh, really I'm getting this, so, It's allowing me to be more authentic. I love (laughs) that. We were talking
0: um, in some of the other interviews about that's when, that's when businesses start to fly. When you, it's almost like surrendering to being actually you and, and, and and magnifying that, that that's where the, 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 the sweet spot is. So now you do, I, one of the things I love about your business is that you teach retreats all over and they're all just, Glorious, like you, and not just—I mean—you you have outrageously beautiful venues that you choose, but it's what's included and how it all comes together, and the experiences that you offer. You've taught a lot of retreats. Yes. <clears throat> so I'd I, love. To, sorry, go ahead.
1: Again, it's one of those things I probably, um, with hindsight, wouldn't recommend. But say I qualified in February, March, and I run my first retreat in September, and it was full. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? Uh, Spain. <laughs> I had 15 women. So, and it was like, one of those things like, I think I want to run a retreat. Yeah, I'll do this. And you know, and I think, I didn't think about it too much about what was involved and it went really well. And then lots of people rebooked for the next year. But it was like, probably, you know, the advice would be, okay, make sure you've got a tribe, wait a bit longer, but maybe if you're just called and you've already got a tribe, just go for it. And insurance. Yes. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you're obviously great at retreats. I want, to, <clears throat> I want some tips from you for people who, okay, let's think about it this way <clears throat> because I think there's like people who haven't done one, so the first-timers, and then also yeah. some tips for people who are doing them who maybe, actually let's start with the first-timers. Give us some tips for people who are thinking about doing their first retreat. What would you say?
1: Okay, uh, let's think. I think the first thing is what's your why? Why are you doing it? Ooh. So think, about it, rather than like, oh, I just want to go to and spend some time in Spain or in Byron Bay. Like, why are you running it? So, what's your why? And then from that, what's your theme for the retreat? I think it's really important to have a theme because there's mm. so many teachers running retreats, mm, mm. and although I do run mine in beautiful spaces, and sometimes the beautiful spaces help to sell. It's more about what's the package. Mm. What's your why? What's the theme? So it's not just, I've got this amazing place in Mexico. It's this amount of money. The bedroom looks like this. The food's good. Are you coming? Yes, it's thank you. people awesome. who are needing somebody. So yes. if somebody's like, oh my God. So whether it's like, it's a pure relaxation retreat. Okay, so there's people, there's lots of people that are stressed, exhausted, too busy. Right, so I'm going to talk to those people and I'm going to show them the benefits and how what they're going to get from a retreat by being with me a, so i think those two things and then do your research really well to look at places so look at think about your ideal clients and what they're going to want so a lot of my clients want their own rooms So mm-hmm. then it's looking for places that there's enough rooms for perhaps say like at least eight ladies have their own rooms that might not be the case for others you might think, right, great, all of mine are happy to share. Mm. Think about things like whether or not they're happy to have their own bathroom um, to share or they want their own bathrooms. Yep. Then you need to look at how many people you can hold space for mm. and how many people the retreat centre can hold. Yep. And then just see, are those figures going to work? Yep. And a lot of places will ask for a minimum. So even if you think, I'm going to take eight, you're going to pay for 12, whether or not you mm-hmm. take eight. sorry whether or not you take them so you need to work that out in your figures yep think about if you're thinking about it financially what are you going to lose from not being at home for a week two weeks over classes great point that needs to come into and also and believe me i love doing it but a week on retreat is the easy bit yeah the time before is the hard work Yes. yes so it's like the planning beforehand Takes ages, so I love again the lovely yogi bit, the creative bit, sitting on the floor with all my books and my candles and creating. Love that. But that's easy, but it's the cheaper encoded stuff. It's all of the systems, and even though you tell somebody <coughs> four times, this is when the retreat starts. I suggest you get right. That arrives at roughly this time. There will always somebody goes, "Oh, I arrived the day before. Oh, I don't arrive till late." So it's. <laughs> You've experienced that, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed the transport. I, yeah, I, yeah,
0: yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: And things like no, nothing is too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Email I send out with like this is what you need to think about. Uh-huh. It gets longer every year with things like okay, I really I'm say that I need to add that one on as well. You're a grown-up. Think- Did I have to tell you about socks?
0: Yes, apparently
1: yeah. I had to tell you about socks. Oh, I didn't realise it would be that cold, I haven't got a jumper, it's like, well, look on AccuWeather, you know, it's like, there's a bit of like, where I want to love my students and to help them, and then there's also some bits you think like, oh gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it's the same in Australia with the budget airlines, you have to check in online, and I just kind of thought everybody, even like teenagers, know you have to do that. But I had one lady turn up and she hadn't, Like, like, where do I get my tickets? It's like, you, just, you, know? you know, so certain things that you would, I would just assume that people yes, would do. point.
0: Yes. And I think for, um, I know I've had people, I've, I had a woman once, but she, I know she only came on my retreat because she was too scared to go to Bali by herself because she went and did like activities during the day, like scuba diving. Well, we're all doing my (laughs) retreats. You just never know um, if they're not your students. But even if they are, sometimes that can be a, whoa, didn't know that about you.
1: Oh, I've learned a lot about students on my trees.
0: (laughs) So this is, okay, so we've just done a whole bunch of incredibly useful tips for newbies. This is the next thing. For people who are doing retreats already, here's where I want to get some amazing wisdom from you. How do you handle... (laughs) <laughs> like how do we what do we call them my my meditation teacher would call them how do you handle the dharma teachers that come on <laughs> the angel <messages? laughs> that. like how do you yeah yeah um how how do you deal with i'm sure that you've been in environments where it actually you end up being like the uh what do you call it? like the high school counselor like there's the yeah. mean girls and the, like you that the politics and the everybody's in trigger state and in suddenly you're trying to, you know, you're trying to negotiate a peace deal. How do you manage team dynamics, group dynamics on retreat?
1: So that I think is such a great point And it's something I do feel that comes with experience. Yeah. And for a start, like you were saying earlier about not throwing away your corporate life. I think yeah. I manage teams in my corporate life. And I think some of those that comes across when you're running a retreat. Yes. So one of the first things I always do on the first day, I set down the ground rules of what's expected of you, what you can expect from me. Love it. And what's not acceptable. So there's things there like I always say that um, I want everybody in one way to be totally selfish on the retreat. And what I mean by that is often people, I seem to get quite a lot of ladies that come that are helpers, rescuers, Mm -hmm. and they will go and see somebody else that's upset because just as an aside, my retreats are a journey, and yeah. the middle of the week, I've usually got quite a few people in tears. Suppose, in my nose. We work with fire, we get to the middle of the week, we get to the soul, and that's the year's So uh-huh. I'm aware that some people go into rescuing mode. Yeah. So instead of dealing with their own stuff, they'll go and rescue somebody else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I said it and ask everybody to be really clear. That you are working on yourself, you're not avoiding or going into the recipe. So that's what I mean by selfish. I love it. I love then it. I that to, to that is as well as being selfish, I want you to be mindful of everybody else here so that your process doesn't affect anybody else. So putting the two in place, and most of the time, those two things help to stop having the the dharma teachers we'll Mm -hmm. come on to that in a second (laughs) Um, because i did have a couple last year (laughs) and i think another thing from that is always saying that let's keep the conversation like i run women's circles here and i like to think of my retreats as being like a women's circle Mm -hmm. so what's said on retreats stays on retreats and also said that so there's the confidentiality aspect. But also, let's only talk about how we're feeling and what's coming up now so we don't get into story, gossip, and talking about other people. Yeah, nice. And I find that especially where sometimes I've had groups of people that have known each other from home, and then I've got people that yeah. don't know anybody else. That uh, enables the group to come together rather than get, okay, that lot of talking about their kids or a common thing they've done, and those people feel like out of yeah. Yes, yes. That's I like that. It, Gets every, so going on to when you do get the Dharma teachers, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't get one. I got four in Ibiza last year, so and that was quite, like how many? I had a total of twelve, so that was quite a high ratio. <laughs> so that I was a. Oh, it really was a Dharma teacher. It was a great learning, and initially I was a bit like, "Oh, what am I going to do here?" <laughs> so I think the lesson that I took from it is that I just got really grounded <laughs> for the start and just really was connecting into to my authentic voice and my truth more and more. And I just had to keep checking in and not wavering off what I was teaching. Mm. Because it would have been easier to have pandered to these ladies and to kept it on a surface level and what i did in this situation i did um after one day when it became apparent what was happening rather than speaking to each person i actually did it as a group and talked about things come up for us and when things come up some of us go into patterns where we might start to say that it's somebody else and we start moving into blame and shame and we're working from the disempowered feminine which is all about putting our sisters down and this retreat is about the empowered feminine, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of brought it into the teachings. Mm. And on that one, I had to keep doing it. Yeah. I had to keep doing it. Um, it was challenging. And I felt that I perhaps kept, just kept those ladies up and then they dropped and then kept them back up again. That was probably the most challenging in 10 or 11 years of running retreats. Wow. I have. But I think the thing is, if it's appropriate, maybe speak to the one person individually. In this particular situation, there was four, and nobody had actually said anything to me directly. So it actually felt better to kind of stay grounded in my teachings and share it through the wisdom of the teachings and depersonalize it. Yes. Because I think if I'd made it more personal, it could have actually um, got more inflammatory.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yep.
1: was that way, I kept in you know, like, what I want to teach, and this was actually a fantastic example of a disempowered feminine. It was a great example of how we don't want to grow as women you know and how we can let that go and because I really believe that you know when we step into the empowered feminine it's all about collaboration it's about relationship building it's about community and it's not about competition it's the um, disempowered feminine that has to put somebody else down to try and make themselves feel better and that's what was happening here
0: I love it. Um, And I want to segue into this new body of work that you're bringing forward to the world. But before we do, I must also just say, because I do have the very good fortune of talking to yoga teachers all over the world, that folks, get your own room. (laughs) When you teach a (laughs) retreat, it is not okay to share a room. If it means you can squeeze one more person in, there's something wrong with your pricing. Preferably have a room that is away from everybody else's. On my retreat, I'm like half a kilometer bike ride from everybody else. (laughs) on purpose yeah. so, you know, like you can't that, do that grounding if you you need physical space for that
1: yeah you've got to have a space to retreat to away yes, from everybody yes this, yes yeah, i missed that out really good point and i think making sure that you know you carve time for you to feed you because you are <laughs> holding space for all of those people and you know you know the same as i know it's hard work People yeah. go, oh, you're in a lovely sunny place and you're teaching yoga twice a day. Like, no, I'm holding space. It's a bit like I'm mum with 15 kids for a week. <laughs> and they all want to go somewhere else. So it's a bit like, so you have got to hold that space. And if you're not filling yourself up, you're not going to be able to hold the space for everybody else. Yes, great like, point. Take time before you go. Take some things that's your ritual. So for me, I do my Japa meditation every day. And that has to... It's tempting to not do it on retreat. I need to do it even more on retreat. Yeah, yeah. It kind of bring me back to me, so I can fully show up students yeah. just as they deserve. So good. And also, on that very first retreat I ran, I was the first one up in the morning, waking everybody up with a gong because I'm nice like that. And I was the last one going to bed at night. I so thought I needed to be there and hold court and chat to everybody. I got exhausted. I ended up like four hours and sleep because there were the late ones. Yeah, when I was up early. Yeah, sorry, they just emptied the bins. I hope oh, that wasn't too nice. All oh, good. Okay, um, and that again, I was probably really empty by the end of it. Yeah. So you don't need to be the last one to bed. You might need to be the first one up as the you Don't need to be the last one to bed.
0: Well, I also you know, when I, into the daily schedule, like rest time or free time, isn't just for the participants.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did a retreat with a teacher once and I thought this was brilliant. She had like this fabulous hat, and she said that when she put her hat on, she was off duty. So, (laughs) in between classes and she was hanging around without a hat on, you could go up and say, Oh, hi, do you want a coffee or whatever? But she had a hat on, it would stay away from me. And I thought, I love (laughs) that.
0: Oh, I can just do that with energy. People just know. Okay. No one's ever going to come on my retreats after watching this video. Oh well. <laughs>
1: yes, <they will>. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. So um, I'm conscious of time. Now, let's, because we could talk all night, all day for you. Um, yeah. So you're moving into a whole new space now, and and it's like the next layer of the onion, or whatever we're doing, shedding skins, or whatever we're doing, climbing ladders. But so where it's, it came to a certain point of specialisation, and now you're going even deeper. So yeah. first up, tell us about what that work is.
1: Okay, so the work is called Queen Take Your Crown, and I'm determined to be on a mission to rebrand the menopause and see it as a time that's when we're really empowered, yeah. a time to be celebrated, a time to be excited about, and a time where we can be outrageous yes. and really own our power. And this came about after a retreat um, two years ago, and I just happened to hear quite a few ladies around the table talking about, oh, it's that time. And they were talking about um, HRT and drugs and as if it was all doom and gloom. And I just overheard this conversation. It's like, no, no, I'm not open to that. For me personally, because I'm of that age, that's not how I feel. Yeah. And then kind of doing all the work that I've done with the archetypes, really see that this the way it is, it should be a time we, we no longer have the possibility of getting a baby every month. But what it is, it's the possibility to give birth to our true self. So like in ancient cultures, it kind of makes me shiver when I say it, because it's so true. In ancient cultures, we are the wise women, the medicine women. We were the elders and the respected ones. And it's only in like modern Western cultures that it's seen that youth and beauty where the power is. Whereas in fact there's kind of more power in the wise woman, the elder, because there's the life experiences. And if you think from a prana point of view, sorry for any guys listening, with menstruation, we're no longer shedding every month past the menopause. So that prana is staying in there. So we're building the prana up.
0: Never thought so about it's about like,
1: yay. Yeah, so by the time I'm intending to be 80 and being like this powerful woman. So it's like, it's not a time to start to go, like, to let it go. This is the time to, like, light up and really move into that power. And, <clears throat> excuse my voice, I've been struggling with this horrible cold that's been going around. <clears throat> sorry. I'm sorry you're in winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's been laughs> there, a bit lighter. But I also think that a lot of the symptoms that women experience is because they're not living their truth. So I mentioned earlier about the heroes and the heroine's journey. Like if you take, for example, hot flushes, I think they are like nature's warning signs that you're out of alignment with your truth. Huh. So we may go through life in the long, wrong relationship, in the wrong career, or we're doing habits and things that aren't right for us, and we push it down, we ignore it. We get busy, we push it down. Then we get to menopause, and it's another portal. So like the portal we get at puberty, we have another one at menopause, and it's a time that it's kind of like, okay, all your stuff's coming up. Are you gonna push it down harder? And if you push it down harder, you're gonna need medication to push it down. You might create dis-ease in your body because you're out of balance, or are you gonna go, do you know what? I'm going to listen to this. What does make my heart sing? What does make me happy? Yeah. Maybe the relationship has been wonderful for 30 years. It's no longer serving me. Yeah. Maybe this career has never been good. But it's yeah. like having the courage to like live this part of our, I'm saying our lives, I know you're not at that stage, but anybody that's listening, that is, To having the courage to live our lives in our truth. But although traditionally menopause would be like, 48 to early 50s, this, this starts to happen from like mid-30s. So like the niggles, So I don't mean the menopause starts to happen there. Anybody that's listening getting alarmed, but it can do, but more about the the soul calling to you, the soul mm-hmm. telling you that something needs to yes, change. Yes, yes. If we start to make those changes in our 30s and our forties, then we're gonna just gonna sail through the later stage in our life. So interesting. And I do think, though, know, it like, I was perhaps pushed there screaming and, you know, <laughs> screaming and kicking a bit. The fact when everything in my life went belly up when I was 13, mm-hmm. I do think I did a lot of that work there. And obviously it's been refining. I don't mean I'm there yet. There's still like another layer. Yeah. And there always is. And yeah. to be honest, I'd probably get a bit bored if there wasn't another layer. But I don't want too much. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that, like, being open to that change and moving more and more into alignment has made that transition really easy for me. And I think it's when, you know, it's almost that comes to the point that if you've been living a life out of alignment with your truth, then you're going to experience a lot of physical symptoms. And
0: hello, wake up. Yeah, right. I,
1: I, it makes a lot of sense to me. I'd never thought about it like that before. <laughs> it makes it so, no, so i think only am looking at it that way so that's why i'm like so eager to get this out into the world and obviously bringing it in with yoga and the movement and tuning into your body so it's not i should be doing this what does your body want to do yes
0: yes all right so and elton you do you've got a retreat coming up i think next year on particularly on this topic
1: and you also work with people
0: one-on-one
1: what's your give us your url how can we go find you Okay, so my website is inspireyoga.co.uk and the coaching programme around this is it's forward slash and then it's descent, you're going to hate this Amy, descent dash to dash the dash goddess.
0: Yes, I do hate that. I I, I love the programme. I hate the vanity URL.
1: <laughs> and there's also, so on there, I've got my Descent to the Goddess program, which is where I kind of work with clients and take them through the heroine's journey. So from yeah, the yeah. separation from the unresourceful female feminine energy into integrating it into the empowered feminine, but then integrating it with the masculine so that we're yeah. whole. Nice. And there's also a page without any dashes on there, which is Queen Take Your Crown. And that's got this whole new body of work. Does that make you happier? Yeah, it makes me much happier, much happier. (laughs) So (laughs) tell us just the homepage again. It's inspireyoga.co.uk. Inspireyoga.co.uk.
0: Thank you, Alison, for modeling for for us what feeling passion for your business looks like.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Amy.
0: But I really think, no, this is a teaching in and of itself. I mean, for anyone who's like, ah, menopause or, or whatever, like if, the, the most powerful teaching we all receive like the transmission we all receive from watching this interview is that you really do glow. You really are radiant because of the inner fire of what it is that you feel called to bring forward into the world. <clears throat> and if, and if we, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got this catching thing and, <laughs> and I, you know, so we can all see what it looks like. We've all got your message about um, you can figure it out. You may meander, but if you want it, you can figure it out. And, yes. and what I'm also hearing is you've made some really sharp turns. You've made multiple sharp turns throughout your life. Um, and you're glowing as a soul. It's, it's completely inspiring. It's just been fantastic.
1: Thank you. But I think, like, you know, if there's just one thing to say to your listeners is to do that, is to follow your heart, get a really clear vision of your purpose, your soul's purpose, your life your dharma, get a really clear vision. And then every time you make decisions, run them through. Is that taking me towards it or away from it? Because every decision, every action, it's not neutral. It's either towards or away from. So just check in, like your guiding light, you know, your path, your vision, whatever word works for you, check in, am I going towards it? And don't deviate. And I think, would you say one more thing? Are you kidding? These are golden. Go for it. Okay. And in the yoga industry, unfortunately there's a lot of um there's a lot of disempowerment, there's a lot of flakiness. And you know, I know you do amazing work with getting people to have abundant yoga team, abundant yoga businesses. Mm-hmm. Quite a few yoga people in the yoga business out there that are the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like don't align yourself with those people. Find your tribe, find the people that support you. You are gonna lose friends as such along the way people aren't going to like it when you're successful mm. they are people that are not working from the empowered feminine or masculine mm. so don't allow those obstacles to take you off your path Just you see it as like okay we were no longer a vibrational match i'm going to keep going with my vision and go towards my purpose because this is my life not his not hers you know and making sure you're following your passion and be prepared but you know the journey is like that if only it went like that I saw a great thing on Facebook last night and he said, here I am, how I think the journey's going to go, how it goes in reality, it's like going through water, through fire and like that. It's like, it might be like that, but keep that hole in in your vision and you're going to get there.
0: I love it, Alison. You know, and I also think that the point you made earlier about where the power lies related to age. the reason that what you're saying feels so plausible to me is because you've lived it <laughs> really yeah. that in, that is embodied wisdom yeah, yeah. If, if you were 20 and you told me that i would probably be motivated but it would also feel a little like, a bit like a platitude
1: yeah i have to teach for my truth you yeah. know and I have, I've, drawing boundaries has been something I've had to work on because sometimes I could overshare, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important to share from my truth because people relate to stories and they relate to what you've experienced, so there's the theory is one thing, but when you can say this is what I did, these are the mistakes I made, this is where I am now, I think people relate to that.
0: Absolutely, and that's why archetype work is so powerful because of the, yeah, yeah, yeah the way that stories bring us together.
1: We know it, even if we don't know it, that makes sense. Like, as soon as, when I go through the heroine's journey with people, I go, oh, God, I know that, but I didn't know I knew it. You know, and it's, it, it makes sense.
0: See, folks, we seriously could talk for days,
1: but we're not going yeah. to. Alison,
0: has been an absolute pleasure and a joy.
1: Just give an offer to your, to your guests. though. So if, yes. if anybody wants to sign up for my Descent to the Goddess program, which is my signature coaching program, I'm so super excited about that. If they use the code Amy, they'll get 20% off. So what? 20% which is huge, but just for a week. Okay, so you've got a week from when this is broadcast with the code Amy and you get 20% off.
0: I didn't know you were going to do that. That's so cool. 91. Have you had a coupon code named after me before? I feel, oh, really
1: well, that chuffed. A first. I feel
0: very chuffed. Check it out, <laughs> folks. Go. It's like stalk Alison everywhere. She's everywhere. She posts great content and really Thank great you. Instagram lives I'm loving those teachings as well so go check out all of that Alison awesome. brilliant thank, thank you here. so much
1: thank you Amy thanks for being such an inspiration
0: if you've enjoyed these interviews and you're interested in having my support as your yoga business coach check out the information about my coaching package at amymacdonaldcomau forward slash coaching